Welcome to the Virginia Economic Review Podcast. This is David Erie. I'm the Chief Technology Officer of the Virginia Innovation Partnership Corporation. Our guest today is Dr. Joseph Rose, Vice President of Quantum Growth and Markets at IBM, where he's responsible for driving commercial quantum applications and business adoption of advanced quantum computing capabilities. Before IBM, he served as Executive Director of the Quantum Economic Development Consortium and Senior Quantum Advisor to the U.S. Air Force Research Laboratory. So, Dr. Bros, I'm thrilled to be speaking with you today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity being here on your program. Why don't we start with some of the basics? I'm, of course, not a quantum physicist. And to start with, I've heard some confusion from people. When we talk about quantum physics, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're not talking about a new element on the periodic table or a new flavor of quark or something. We're really talking about taking elementary particles that we're more familiar with, like electrons or photons, and putting them in special states. Is that correct? That's essentially the gist of it. I'm often asked what quantum computing is and what it does. For a number of decades now, quantum information science has been a theoretical promise. And today we have evidence it's becoming real. The quantum computing promise is that we will be able to solve problems that have been heretofore unsolvable. That quantum computing is not just a faster or better version of the quantum supercomputers or classical systems that we use today, but that in fact, it's an entirely new form of computation. And it's based on the rules of quantum physics. Quantum computing draws from the fundamental laws of quantum physics and carries out calculations using what are known as quantum bits or qubits. Qubits can hold simultaneous values at the same moment, whereas a bit can either be just zero or one at any given time. As a result, you have this ability to create a very large computational space, and that gives quantum computers tremendous power to solve extremely complex problems that even the most sophisticated, advanced supercomputers are unable to solve today. So what does that mean to the everyday user, the everyday life, the people on the street? It means better pharmaceuticals, better understanding of fundamental processes of biology, better understanding of fundamental chemistry and new materials, new engineering, better energy storage, more efficient batteries, more stable financial markets that are optimized using the power of quantum computing to solve outstanding problems today that have heretofore been resistant to solution. Today, are quantum computers being used, for example, for pharmaceutical discovery? We have very good and recent evidence that quantum computing today is reaching a point of utility. Quantum computers had always pointed to tremendous economic potential. Recently at IBM, we started to gain strong evidence that we had crossed a certain threshold that, in fact, quantum computing is showing evidence of utility. What's changed here is that 
while quantum computers had tremendous promise and theoretical opportunity was evident, they are inherently noisy and these very delicate quantum states, these simultaneous states of zero and one that give this tremendous computational power, they turn out to be rather delicate and any kind of noise or interference can create errors that hamper the performance of the machine. And it's the fragile nature of these qubits and the fact that they can pick up disturbances around them that make this a very difficult thing to do. Recently, we've been able to quiet the qubits down, our hardware has improved, and our ability to mitigate errors in the hardware, those errors that remain, has dramatically improved and taken a leap. And so we published at IBM on the cover of Nature in mid-June our breakthrough evidence that, in fact, current quantum computers do show very strong evidence of utility and that they can actually perform calculations that even a supercomputer cannot. And so that's an extraordinary moment in quantum computing where this theoretical promise that's been out there for decades is finally being evidenced in a very real way with something that is very useful. And that threshold, is that the break-even threshold that I've read about where you can show that there's some computational advantage to the quantum computer versus a classic computer? We took one of our systems and we performed a calculation on it and compared that to the same calculation being run on a supercomputer. It's a team of computer scientists at UC Berkeley and at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory simulated the same model we were running on the quantum computer. And as the problem became more and more complex, the quantum computer continued to perform accurately, but the classical supercomputer system eventually faltered. And IBM you know, is clearly a leader in this development of the qubit structures. There's a fair amount of discussion about other approaches that at least the marketing terminology are calling quantum computing, which I would classify as at least taking advantage of some of the quantum properties of photons in non-classical computing architectures. Do you have any insights into that range of developments? We have many worthy competitors. There are some really good people in this field, and we have some excellent competition, which in the American way only makes us better. I think we offer unmatched accessibility, reliability, scalability of our devices, and that this is a very significant advantage that we have as a company. There are other qubit modalities. There are other people in the competitive space that are using the same type of qubit we are, which are superconducting qubits. There are people using spin qubits. There are those that are looking at photonic devices. And there are those that use trapped ions. All are, are a bit different from each other. All are making progress in their own way. But IBM is, I think, the indisputable quantum industry leader at this point. We were in the cloud in 2016. We have 24, 25 quantum computing systems in the cloud today. We have over half a million registered users on our system. We run a couple billion circuits a day. IBM Quantum is a success story. We've always approached this as a full stack solution. We go from the hardware to the software, the middleware, all the way to the application. We make sure that we can scale 
every layer of that stack and make it addressable and accessible to users so that this becomes a technology that can be used by anyone, not just quantum physicists in an esoteric setting, but making this addressable, accessible, and democratized technology that anyone can use. You mentioned the cloud hosting of the capability. It'll be more like the supercomputer centers or cloud accessible compute capability as opposed to an enterprise level or a desktop level kind of capability. I think that we will see this as quantum data centers. What we are pushing toward are extremely large systems. We've announced plans to put in place within the next decade a 100,000 qubit machine. Wow. Yeah, that's a very ambitious goal, but it's one that we feel very confident in achieving. We think we have the partners and the team that can perform the research work and the very hard work needed to get there. We have a roadmap we published back in 2019, early 2020, which scaled us up from our early five qubit systems. Today, we're at 433 qubits. And by the end of the year, we plan to announce over a 1,000 qubit machine. As we scale this up, we're scaling along with it. Our capabilities, our software, our ability to utilize these machines, the applications for these machines. There are challenges that we need to overcome, but no miracles are required. (laughs) (laughs) Just a lot of hard work. And it's not that some mysterious process needs to be invented, but there is very difficult research to yet be done. And there are some leaps to be made, but nothing that would require absolute miracle that we can't get our arms around. We have great partners. We're partnered with University of Chicago and their laboratories that they run for the Department of Energy. We have great partners with Oak Ridge, with Argonne National Laboratory, Fermi Laboratory, with Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. And we're also partnered with the University of Tokyo and Riken in Japan on applications. So we really are blessed with very, very good partners globally and a great team internally. You mentioned the international collaboration, which is really important. And I think from a U.S. strategic interest, it's clearly important for us to be collaborating with good partners around the world. I guess there's always a tension between those sorts of collaborations and clearly quantum computing has national security implications. Is there anything unique about this? I'm sure you struggle with those tensions all the time. And is there anything unique about quantum computing or you think the existing kind of structures around security apply here as well? Let me address that from a couple of standpoints. One is this is a very inclusive and collaborative emerging technology on a global scale. There's absolutely no question that no one country is going to develop this technology uniquely and on its own. It does, in fact, take a global community and the global quantum community is a very tight and it's a close community. And we take advantage of that fact that we have many, many collaborators. I was looking at some statistics, about half of all papers in quantum information science published involve both U.S. and 
foreign, outside the U.S. authors. When I look at our own team at IBM, we are probably 50% based U.S. citizens and the other. It's extremely important to note that we need a global workforce and research work that we perform outside the United States. So making sure that we are getting the best talent into IBM Quantum. And from wherever that talent can come is super important. And I think it's very important to advancing quantum information science, quantum computing. We're trying to position the Commonwealth to take advantage of quantum computing. Virginia is a leader in things like cybersecurity because of the presence of Amazon and a number of others. Logistics is clearly an area of interest. Any thoughts about how we start preparing workforce and people who are capable of taking advantage of these capabilities? A vibrant ecosystem for quantum is really comprised of four elements. One of those elements is, as you mentioned, is the workforce. And I know that there are several schools in Virginia that are really making efforts to add quantum information science into their curricula. There are a number of institutions in and around the DMV area that are really taking efforts to put quantum information science or have had quantum computing in their curriculum for quite some time. The second would be the research community and the academic community. The third would be industry and making sure that Virginia industries are engaged in quantum, particularly the Northern Virginian industries around defense and aerospace community. And the fourth element in the ecosystem would be access, would be actual access to actual quantum computer systems. I'd love to see Virginia follow suit with New York and Ohio and Japan and Quebec and Germany and Spain and other areas of the world where They've taken the step to bring a system to their community, to bring access and put a quantum system on premises. Up until that time, however, we offer a great opportunity for companies, organizations, universities to access our advanced quantum fleet through the cloud. Through either one of those modalities, I think access is super important and developing that workforce using that access, beginning to explore the use cases that industry has using that access, and then training the workforce around that is all a very important part of synergistic ecosystem. Anything else in terms of IBM, in terms of your roadmap, in terms of how you see the future going? I think it's here and now. There was a cyberpunk author whose name escapes me, but he said that the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. I think at IBM, we've made it clear that this is the quantum decade. Our mission and our goal is to bring useful quantum computing to the world. We've had a breakthrough in error mitigation research, and we really are in an era of quantum utility. Even though this quantum systems are noisy, we now have tools in our toolbox that allow it to be applied to a range of important and difficult problems that might even be impossible for classical supercomputers, but addressable by quantum computers. I think once realized that quantum-centric supercomputing will open up new, large, powerful computational spaces we can't even imagine today. Dr. Joseph Rose, I really appreciate your time, the discussion, the insights you've provided. Thanks so much for having me on your program. I really appreciate it and enjoyed our time here. This podcast has been brought to you by the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Thanks for listening.